Learn more at SanfordHelp.org. Now, here is your host, Tyler Merriam. Hi, friends, and welcome inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. We are live with the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show on this, the last Monday night of the month of October. And the South Dakota State football team is off to an 8-0 and start. The Jacks win their 22nd consecutive game on Saturday, venturing into the Dakota Dome in Vermilion. <laughs> Round of applause, rightfully so. Jacks ventured into the Dakota Dome in Vermilion, a sellout crowd of uh, over 9,100 announced as the Jackrabbits defeated USD 37-3 in a battle of top five teams. Now the Jacks have another top 15 showdown, another rivalry game coming up. The Dakota marker on the line. SDSU will host North Dakota State. It'll be a sellout, over 19,000 expected at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. We'll discuss that with the head coach of the Jacks, Jimmy Rogers, coming up in just a little bit. A man who knows something about some big games and some conference championships will be with us in just a little bit. Former player, now a coach on staff, Kellen Solick. But we begin things with one of the many very talented defensive linemen on this Jackrabbit football team from Florida. Please give a round of applause to Brian Williams, everybody. Brian, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. To begin with, tell us where exactly are you from? Yeah, I'm from Chipley, Florida. It's a small town in the panhandle of Florida, uh, right in the middle of Tallahassee and Pensacola. So Chipley, Florida. Pull that a little closer to yourself there, Brian, so we don't get too much feedback here. Uh, let us begin with the path to South Dakota State because some it is a direct path, some it's a little more circuitous, and some go off the beaten path and lumber back this way and whatnot. So uh, tell us where all you have made stops at along the way. Yeah, mine would. My path would be the last path you gave, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, out of high school, I went to a junior college at Southwestern College in Chula Vista, California, and then after that, I went to Valdosta State University, where the first year was COVID year, so I didn't get to play a season. And the second year, we went to a national championship and lost to Fair State. And then after that, I entered the transfer portal and luckily found my way here at South Dakota State. What was it about SDSU? Because there had to be a little bit of a leap of faith for you to come all this far north, right? Yeah, I would say a leap of faith, but then also just going closer to family. You know, uh, coming in the transfer portal, Christian Smith was very close to my offensive coordinator of Alaska State. Uh, Zach Wilson, was his dad was my high school head football coach. Um, me and Zach's been best friends since fifth, sixth grade, and just the chance to play with him again. It was really intriguing, and that's really one of the things that brought me here. And you come here, and your first game as a Jackrabbit is against a Big Ten team in Iowa, but it didn't quite go as planned for you, did it? Yeah, not at all. Uh, for I think I played 10 snaps, and the 10th snap I had a high ankle sprain, and I missed seven or eight games. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough, challenging, but, you know, it was all worth it in the end. And I'm delighted you said that, but I want to go into that just a little bit. What did you learn about yourself during that process? Uh, one thing I learned is not only about myself, but for other people is just to lean on the guy next to you. You know, coming all this way, you, you have big plans, big dreams, and, you know, sometimes God doesn't – he just doesn't have that set for you, and he has a different path, and you just got to lean on him and your brother's next to you and just continue to fight and push and – 
compare yourself. So, What has it been like for you to run out of that tunnel on Saturdays at Dana J. Dykow Stadium and look up and see 19,000 game after game after game? You know, honestly, it's a blessing uh, coming from a small town in Chipley, Florida. You know, there's 5,000, 5 to 8,000 people. We're not getting 19,000 there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and even at my last school, I don't think we're getting half of that. So it's truly a blessing, you know, to see everybody there that are diehard fans through the warm, cold, and tr- trust me, cold. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a winter jacket when you arrived at SDSU? You know, Zach Wilson, he honestly lied to me to get me to come here. He said, <laughs> What did he say? He was like, Brian, you'll get used to the cold. Uh, you know, it's not that bad. You know, honestly, you just go numb. He was like, 38 degrees in Florida is worse than 38 degrees here. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And then <laughs> had a hoodie and some shorts when I got off the plane, and it was negative four. <laughs> did you go numb? Yes, sir. Okay, so he didn't lie. He didn't lie there. Okay, he got that part right. Uh, where are we at from an academic standpoint? Uh, yeah, so I'm completing my master's in business economics. Um, I actually finished all the main coursework this past summer and in the least busy part this fall, so it's going nice. And you had a busy summer. <laughs> yeah, I did. I uh, did an internship with Northwestern Mutual uh, where I really found a passion for financial advising and doing those sorts of things, so plan to continue doing those. Why has that become a passion for you? What is it about financial planning? You know, honestly, just seeing the impact you can have on someone. You know, it's just Coach Stig, he preached make a difference. And uh, just seeing a tiny glimpse of making a difference in someone's life whenever they didn't have that impact before, you know, just being able to help. We joked about the weather and all that, but we are a hearty people here in the Midwest, as you have learned. Yeah. Got a lot of hearts here in this place, a lot listening that supported you the last couple of years. What do you have to say to Jackrabbit Nation? Honestly, just thank you for embracing me and the others of our guys that aren't from South Dakota. You know, we do come a little, little bit ways from home, and it's nice to have someone supporting you that's just like family. Well, this is your second family. Let's give it up for Brian Williams, everybody. Brian, thank you. Thank you. Stay tuned when the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show continues. Kellen Solick, the former Jackrabbit turned coach, will join us. We'll talk to Kellen in just a moment. We're live from Cubby Sports Bar and Grill here on the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Some people... Back inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill and more of the Jimmy Rogers radio show on this last Monday in October. Want to remind everyone that the month of November will be some alterations to the schedule because we are entering crossover season. In fact, the Jackrabbit women's and men's basketball teams will have an exhibition doubleheader this Wednesday at 6 o'clock at Frost Arena. And we'll have radio coverage of both of those games starting at 5.30 Central Time throughout the network. And then a week from tonight, the women and men will be in action at Frost Arena regular season home openers for both squads. And so because of that, next week and the three weeks after, all of our shows in November will become Thursday shows instead of Monday shows. So next week we'll be on Thursday night at 6 o'clock here at Cubby's Sports Bar and Grill. So make your plans Thursdays beginning next week. The radio show moves from Mondays to Thursdays. Someone who moves just as fast as the radio show will is joining us now. 
a standout defensive lineman from the Jackrabbits of a few years ago. Now he's back on staff. The pride of Yankton. Please give it up for Kellen Solick, everybody. Kellen, my man, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fine. Good. You reminded me of something during the break, and it's something we must share with the public. So when you came down here as a senior student athlete back in 2016, you said you were still catching your breath that day because two days before that was a rather momentous occasion in Jackrabbit football history. Yeah, uh, I'd still like to think I'm catching my breath from it, but uh, 70 yards is a little too long for me, and uh, 320 pounds doesn't move 70 yards very fast. So um, you, no, it's a, you intercepted a pass yep. and returned it 70-plus yards for the game-clinching touchdown yep. to CLSDSU's first Missouri Valley Football Conference championship. Yeah, it, it was a cool moment, man. Um, Having uh, Christian Roseman run two circles around me and catching a block on a no lineman so he doesn't catch me um, is the highlight of it, I think. But uh, no, it was a it was a cool moment in Jackrabbit history, and uh, glad we got to get that that first conference championship. I still remember you went through the doors up the tunnel, and I didn't know if we'd see you again. I mean, I was worried that something had happened because it took a couple of minutes for you to rejoin us all. Yeah, you know that day was uh, I think it was like negative thirty outside, so I opened the door and I. I think I ran faster back inside than I did to the end zone. So, uh, no, it was, it was fun. All right, so what was it during your time here as a student athlete that made you want to continue to pursue football beyond just playing it? You know, uh, really it's the athletes, um, the, the relationships, the, the coaches. Um, it's truly a family atmosphere, and helping these kids grow into, into grown men by the time they leave, um, I think – leaves an impact because all the coaches here left an impact on me and uh, having an opportunity to, that, to do that for these athletes um, I think is all the difference. Tell me about how exactly the opportunity presented itself for you to come back. Here. Yeah, so I was at Mount Marty um, University. They just started their football program over COVID. That was when I finished my uh, professional career. Um, and I just went in and volunteered and kind of worked my way up through the, the ranks. They hired me last fall to be on full-time and then uh, – Coach Bobbitt got the defensive coordinator job, and him and Rogers talked it out, and they uh, asked me if I wanted to come up and um, try out the Division One level, and of course couldn't say no to that. So um, it's nice having six guys I played with on staff. Um, pretty seamless move, and uh, have enjoyed it. So it's been good to have you around. Good to see you. So Natalie attired on those Friday <laughs> travel days, no doubt. Uh, he's got the, the the tie on, and I say, "You look great." He goes, "I hate this. I hate this." <laughs> But, but you look good, my friend. I appreciate it. But for those that don't know, explain what exactly you are doing as a member of the staff. Yeah, so I'm uh, the quality control for the defense um, and then help specifically with the defensive line. Um, so Coach Bibbs obviously got hired in March, and uh, I'm just basically his assistant, help him do whatever he needs behind the scenes and uh, um, up in the box during the games, um, just giving him what I see and um, just anything to help us win, I guess. A lot of video watching. Oh, yeah. A lot of video labeling, a yep. lot of video editing. All of it, all of it. I uh, probably shouldn't say this in front of Rogers, but this is the most film I've ever watched. Um, <laughs> he doesn't look surprised for some reason, <laughs> Kellen. I, but, but we say that, hey, that's a great way to learn the game. I mean, you have to learn, even if you're not trying to. And I know you are trying to, but right. I mean, when you're watching that much, you can't help but become a better, a more knowledgeable coach. No, for sure. And then it's uh, it's obviously there for the players because they kind of lean on you to or us as coaches to 
um, get the insight as to what they're trying to do and their, their objectives as an offense and how we can defeat that. So um, giving them the answers and um, just being there to boost their confidence to go make those plays um, that can be made. So, For you to have been a part of the building of this process to that first Valley title, to being a top eight seed for the first time, and then to see it go to another level and another level to where it is now, can you put it into words, the pride you have? Yeah, you know, I, re I really can't. Um, it's uh, just a really cool feeling. Um, I know knew a lot of the guys on the D-line um, prior to me coming here. And uh, just being around it and seeing where even I, – I got to play in uh, Coughlin alumni. So I got two years in that, two years in Dana J. And just seeing all the progressions that this program has made is uh, truly um, a huge accomplishment in, in what – what we stand for as a program and uh, where we're st continuing to go. And uh, it's it's just – it's a fun place to be a part of for sure. How cool is it to be back here in front of all these people you as know, well? Some of the best fans in the in the country, and uh, we appreciate everything that you guys do for us, uh, being there for us on game days and then obviously Monday nights and um, throughout the week. So you guys are truly um, a blessing to the program. Kellen, so good to see you again. Thanks appreciate for catching you, up. Kellen Solick with us here on the – Jimmy Rogers Radio Show. Much more to come from Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. The head coach is with us to recap the win over USD and preview Saturday's Dakota Marker Showdown with North Dakota State. Stay tuned for all of that. You're listening to the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. STSU Jackrabbit Athletics. Welcome back inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill as the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show continues on this Monday night. And our show is brought to you in part by First Bank and Trust. If it is in your big picture, First Bank and Trust can help you achieve it with personalized financial planning and trusted advice. Find out how First Bank and Trust makes planning for your future easier at bankeasy.com. All right, we're going to try something here. We had a request of an old highlight. Let me see if I can pull this off here. At the 31 of the Jacks, a minute 45 clock running. Gun to throw. He'll roll to the right side. Flag is down as Dunn stops at the line of scrimmage. He was hit. The ball popped into the air. Kellen Solick picked it up. Down the far sideline, 40. Inside the 30. Look at the big man rumble. To the 10. To the 5. And he's into the end zone. Touchdown, South Dakota State. Big hugs all around. South Dakota. He was so exhausted. <laughs> so that was the clip of Kellen Solick's... Uh, Missouri Valley Football Conference championship clinching interception from the 2016 victory at Northern Iowa. And what were you saying, Jimmy? He was exhausted. I remember that. Uh, and watching the highlights, he barely made it inside he the five-yard line. He's embarrassed that he almost got caught by an old lineman. Uh, but you know what? It stands as a touchdown. Yeah. And that's a big one, my friend. That was a huge play in the game. That was a huge one. All right, let's talk a little here about the trip to Vermilion and the win over the University of South Dakota. And what a uh, what a performance it was, 37-3, the Jacks win. I want to go back briefly to what happened before the game because I don't know how well-educated you were in it. or I know you noticed it because you went out and looked at it, but shortly before the sportsmanship handshakes were about to occur, a dead rabbit got thrown onto the field. Yeah, the refs were looking at it like, well, I don't want to touch it, and I was just like, we're not going to slow this game down. Let's <laughs> just go. I was about to just move it myself, but... Um, they came out with a glove and moved it. Yeah, I think yeah. Charlie gave them some gloves, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and so they went out and they picked <laughs> it up. And they were unsure what it was. I was like, it's a rabbit. 
<laughs> yeah, they, they, they were not schooled in no, the they, unfortunate history of no, this thing. No, they weren't. They were looking at like, why would this rabbit be on the field? It was like, it just got thrown. <laughs> why would this rabbit be on the field? Uh, there was no flag, by the way, for... I no, there wasn't. Yes. But we didn't need it anyways. I'm, I'm just... I'm glad that we got the rabbit that was thrown on the field out of the way so we could have the sportsmanship handshake. That was the, uh, <laughs> the good thing that we got that going. But I asked you about this in the postgame. Uh, in the first quarter, how this game plays out, USD is able to, to get down the field, get to the 33-yard line of SDSU, kick a field goal, and then you get behind the chains with a couple of penalties. The first quarter just didn't go as well as you would have liked. It's 3-0 USD after a quarter, and I know because I know how the fan base works. I'm getting text messages. People are, are oh, my gosh, are they going to figure this out? What's happening? And I know that you and everybody in the sidelines, there is no panic. And so it's just interesting to hear you explain this group is such a veteran unit that they're going to deal with some adversity and they're trained to deal with that. And so the fans who have no control over it might get worked up, but your guys, it's just the next play and it's the next man up. Yeah, there are obviously penalties and there are obviously mistakes that you don't want to have happen, but that could be at any point in the game. They just kind of got stacked in the middle. We went 10 plays on defense. They kicked a field goal. We had two false starts back to up. We were kind of discombobulated with, Mark opened the wrong direction. We punt the ball. We go three and out on defense. We have a holding. Then we throw an interception. We go five and out on defense. And then uh, just poor judgment of a punt return leads to really poor position. And we get the ball with 36 seconds left in the first quarter, right? Gone just like that. And it was just a lot of uh, kind of chaos that we kind of created on our, on our own. And uh, we just have really good leadership and guys that believe in their own talent and work ethic and preparation that they know that it's not um, end-all, be-all. This is not the way uh, the game needs to be. Uh, they just made the decision to change. And after that drive, like going into the, the second quarter there, we kind of um, took control of the game from that point on. And um, we were in control the whole game after that point. And Zach Lujan, your offensive coordinator, when we met with him on Thursday as a broadcast team, used the term two or three times. He said, patience. The key to us offensively is not to try to go out and throw 50-yard bombs or try to get 70 yards in a play against this defense. If we are patient and are willing to take a few yards at a time, which we think we can get, we should be able to build some momentum and take control of this game. And once you relied on that, the offense was virtually unstoppable. Yeah, it's maybe if I have any input on the offense, it's take what they give you because that is the most deflating thing on a defense is when you get them to third and three and then they throw like a hitch, right? And then they go and you get them to third and one and we run quarterback sneak. And then you get to third and eight and then Mark scrambles. And saying that I'm not for big plays, I just know when you force big plays, they usually don't happen. You got to take what the offense or the defense gives you stay consistent and get the ball to our best players. And a lot of times it's the bubble or it's the quick hitch or it's the quick throw that goes for 10, not necessarily the pass that's designed to go to 10. And we just, we got to give the ball to our best players in space and do, let them do what they do best. And um, we just are blessed with a lot of really, really talented players that um, can execute with the ball in their hands. And, and so we were taking what they were giving us and uh, had a hard time stopping us. You mentioned that one drive there. It started at the end of the first quarter, goes into the second. It's a 14-play, 93-yard 
eight-minute and 24-second drive, three third-down conversions along the way. And like you said, you could almost just see taking the life out of that Coyote defense because every time they thought they had a little bit of something to hang on to, you'd make a play and take it right back. Yeah, I think uh, we got to finish better at certain spots, but overall I felt like we were always consistent. We got into the red zone, and we killed ourselves later on in the game with a couple penalties, and we had to settle for three when, when we shouldn't have. Um, I thought we operated two-minute very well, uh, the two-minute drill, because that – that uh, us getting that interception, having 45 seconds to get some points at the end of half and then get the ball back at half, that was six-point swing right there. That's a touchdown, right? And so um, we felt good about that, and uh, we felt good about where our defense was at, and they stayed steady the whole game. Let's talk about a couple of big numbers, I thought, from a defensive standpoint. Number one, Aiden Bauman, the Coyote quarterback, who started the last four games a year ago. He's been the starter uh, for the entire season here in 2023, a young man with a lot of upside. He threw one interception during the last four starts of a year ago, one INT coming into this game, so two career interceptions, and twice you get to your defense gets hands on a pass, deflected, come up with interceptions, so you double his career INT output. It's tough to force him into turnovers, and you came up with a couple in that respect. Yeah, it stems from pass rush and then some of the blitzes that we were running at him, getting him off his mark, um, making him move the pocket, and then having zone eyes to be able to attack those balls in the air. Uh, Tucker Large happened to make a really, really great play. Was in a position that it was kind of do or die for him. It could have been really, really bad play on his part. Um, but he was able to jump up and deflect that. And then the ability to just have the eye discipline to stay with that ball all the way through the play because it, it hit three different people on the play. And that play was huge. And then Jason Freeman, uh, was able to execute later on, and that's just, that is the defense. He did exactly how he wanted, and uh, Isaiah Stahlberg was able to really kind of dig it out off the turf before it hit the ground. And then we mentioned in the first possession USD has, it reaches the Jackrabbit 33-yard line. Will Leyland hits a career-long 50-yard field goal. The Coyotes never got any closer than that. The furthest they moved into Jackrabbit territory is the 33-yard line. That is remarkable. Yeah, we were we were ready on defense. Some of those plays that Coach Davis was running at, we knew right away the film that he got it from because that was some of those plays were plays that we were heard on um, from UND or UNI. And so right when I started seeing some of those plays, defensively as a whole, we kind of knew which what to expect moving forward. And then he got out of the openers, and you can always feel when if you watch it enough, you get out, you get a feeling when the offensive coordinator gets outside of his openers, and openers are 10 to 12 plays, pre-designed that they're going to run on you. Um, what gets teams out of their openers is when you change, um, when they live behind the sticks or they get into a situation, you get off of the openers. Um, and right away we felt them get off the openers, and they went back to what we had seen on film, and they stayed consistent on what they did, and um, our guys were locked into it in the moment. I think Stalbert said, like, after the game, they just kept doing what we knew that they were going to do, right? So our guys were really well prepared. Um, and we have a tough one this weekend. These, um, but we enjoyed Saturday. We moved on, and uh, we're excited for this weekend. We'll move on in a little bit. we still got a few more minutes to talk <laughs> about this one. All right, Jimmy. But let's, let's revisit Stalbert's comment there because it speaks to your staff and the amount of preparation they do. 
but it also speaks to those student athletes because you can put a sheet in front of them. They have to commit to wanting to learn and wanting to ascertain all of that information, then turn it around and use it. There's a lot of moving parts there, and it speaks a lot about both the coaching staff and the student athletes to take that preparation, to want to have it, to want to learn, and then to be able to go out and utilize it and to shut down a team. It sounds easy, but it really isn't. No, yeah, it takes just as much as, you know, the preparation for studying for chemistry, right? You have to understand it. You have to want to understand it, and in football, you got to physically go and execute it regardless of what you know. You still have to go do it the right way with the right steps, with the right eyes, with the right hand placement. There's just a lot that comes into it. And so I felt like our guys were well prepared. I knew it was going to be a solid week. Um, the way we stepped on the field Tuesday, I could just feel it. Um, there are times in games pre-warm-up pre that I always think, are we ready? Because it feels a certain way, and I knew... Uh, the week was going to be a good week because the whole week of preparation was solid. Going into last week, you had a couple of injuries in your secondary, and so Dallas Beanham and Dyshawn Gales essentially play every snap at cornerback at Southern Illinois. Those two guys still out last week, last Saturday in Vermilion. So other than a couple of plays, it's pretty much Gales and Beanham again. Two straight weeks, they're on the field the entire game, guarding some excellent wide receivers, Deontay Cox of Southern Illinois, Carter Bell of USD. I thought Beanham did a tremendous job holding Bell to one catches off from a wide receiver position. Those guys made some huge plays. Their effort, their will, uh, it really is impressive. Yeah, they're, they're just true competitors. Um... Dyshawn is just a student of the game. He's one of our most uh, intellectual football players on our team as far as, like, understanding big picture and uh, just really trusts his instincts. At times he flirts where you'd be like, do you know what you're doing? Because he's living in the gray so much on executing his job. Um, but it's what allowed him to be at his best is when he can kind of live on the edge. And at times it hurts us. He gets his eyes caught in the backfield. Um, but the plays that he makes that are impact plays far outweigh his small mistakes at times. And then there's Dallas. Dallas is probably one of the best coverage coverage corners in the in FCS football. And it wasn't by design to put him over there. We have trust in both of those guys to cover everybody's best wide receivers. It just so happened that he was on the deep shot and was able to come up big in those plays. Misjudged one of them. Um, he says he got a hand on it, but... Um, that one was a little scary, but yeah, that, that's a hard th task. Like you're living behind a route and then trying to time your jump as it's coming down and you're really just trying to get back in the phase on the hip of the wide receiver that you're covering and then your eyes go up and you got to time the jump just perfectly to swap down a ball. Um, and he played both of those close to perfection. Uh, one of them for sure. He had multiple ones, but uh, he was locked in and when our corners are on, we're really, really talented because we can stop the run. And along with stopping the run, Bach and Williamson splitting time at middle linebacker. I asked you about Bach last week. He gets more reps, gets the start on Saturday. And you can't say enough about the job Savion Williamson has done, too, at that middle linebacker position. It's so much fun to watch either of those guys out there when they're 100%. Yeah, the defense is designed around that position. Um, they control a lot of it with communication where the front is set, how we do things. The checks a lot of times stem from them to the D-line and then them backwards. Um, they're kind of the balancing centerpiece of our whole defense. And so uh, it's good to have two guys that know what's going on. Um, Bach is still on the routine of getting healthy. Um, he's not 100% yet, but 
he wants to play, we're going to continue to push forward with him and limit his reps in games because we will need him down the stretch for sure. And then before we wrap up this segment, I want to ask you about Hunter Dustman. Dustman, a young man who established a new career long in field goals with a 49-yarder on the last play of the first half, and then he hits a 22-yarder in the third quarter, and he hits a 47-yarder in the third, which would have been a career long had he not made the 49. And the funniest part was afterwards I asked him about the 49, and he says, to be honest, I don't really pay any attention to distance. And then the next, <laughs> just wait, just wait. Because then we asked him about the penalty on the 52-yarder, and if that messed him up, he goes, well, I really wanted the 52-yarder. I didn't want 47. <laughs> so you don't pay attention to distance, yeah. Hunter. How do you yeah. know these things? But he was really he good. He very well knows where we're kicking the <laughs> But he was really good, Jimmy but, Rogers. How many kicker punters have you been around that are just no show uh, so nonchalant? They all got their quirks. They certainly do. Hey, and he has hey, his own too. Punters, long, but hey, punters, punters, like they all tend to run in the same circle, my friend. They do, and uh, we're blessed with a good one. He's extremely confident, and uh, I think I said it post game, like he was kicking from 61. That was his farthest, and we didn't want to put him in that situation. Um, but we had confidence that if we got anywhere close that we were able to kick it, especially in the dome where the ball just flies. You know, it's much easier to kick uh, inside than where football is supposed to be played. The Jets will be at Dakota Marker on the line against North Dakota State. We'll talk more about the win in Vermilion and preview the matchup with the Bison for the Dakota Marker when the Jimmy Rogers radio show continues. We are live inside Cubby's Sports Bar and Grill on the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Very first corporate... Happy Monday night, one and all. We are live from your Jackrabbit Game Day headquarters here on Main Avenue in downtown Brookings. Over 60 high-definition televisions, award-winning wings, burgers, sandwiches, wraps, salads, before or after the games, including Saturday's Dakota Marker Showdown with North Dakota State. Come on down to Cubby's Sports Bar and Grill, Main Avenue, downtown Brookings. One of the loyalists has a question for you and for football coaches in general. Why defer after winning the coin toss? Why wouldn't you just take the football? Your answer? Because you can get through uh, – if you can get through a team's openers, you can hold them and have the ball going into the second half. Um, and the clock, you kind of – you play the clock to try to have that um, possession to where you can score and then get the ball back um, in the second half to start. I think that is so valuable. Um, and most defensive coaches believe the same thing. Some offensive coaches want to start fast and get the offense on the field right away and try to get a touchdown. But um, I do believe in winning on defense and trying to get our offense going with a fresh start. And then once we, if we get off the field right away, I feel really good, and um, I like having the ball at the second half. Part of that is adjustments in the, on the, you know, when we get when we get truly the time to make adjustments, a lot of times it's at halftime. Mm -hmm. And so defensively, you kind of know what they're doing and how you're going to adjust. It's really hard to say that you're going to adjust um, inside of a series because you don't know, like, half the time, half your defense players are getting told that punts in the box at times, you know, so – um, you get pulled and you kind of don't know what you told the players that are out there and if they're aware of what's going on. So most of the adjustments get made at halftime. 
Well, it's food for thought. Matt Entz, during his Bison career, has won the coin toss 37 times, 33 times he's deferred, but four times he's chosen to receive, including each of the last two games. So he's been on a kick, no pun intended, to receive the opening kickoff the last couple of times. So if you're going to defer and he's going to receive, why even have a coin toss on Saturday? That's a good point. There we go. See, we'll just go ahead. See, we got this all figured out at the booth, Jimmy. We don't have all this consternation you have down on the field. 37-3, the Jackrabbits, uh, the number one team in the FCS, beat previously fourth-ranked USD, and we highlighted so many defensive performances a moment ago. The 605 Hogs, they need shout-outs. They deserve shout-outs. We'll give it to them again. They were darn good on Saturday, Coach. Yeah, played really physical. They played really physical. Wasn't always perfect. Um, that's a good defense, though, and it's a good D-line. And Took them a little bit to get going, and... We, just have, we also have great running backs. At times when it wasn't perfect, our guys were making people miss and or just outrunning edges that uh, there's multiple people at the edge waiting for them and they're just running past them. Um, I thought our backs played really well. I thought Isaiah ran really hard. I thought Amar played by far his best game of the season. Uh, just his impact on the game was substantial. And then when Angel got his shot, which was not in any form uh, – the twos reps, if you would say, like he dominated his role and uh, he played great and he's just continuously getting better and um, continuing to build trust to earn more reps and get in games and make an impact earlier on because every time he touches the ball, man, he is fast. So we're blessed. Davis ran for 69, Amar Johnson 66, Angel Johnson 52. The Coyotes as a team ran for 50. And you talk about... Angel Johnson, he and then Chase Mason has the 21-yard run. When they come in on that last drive, the first half of that last drive, the 605 Hogs, the starters are still out there, and the Coyotes starting unit is still out there defensively. And at that point, the game's virtually over. I mean, you can use that as a bit of an excuse, but to watch that offensive line and those guys, essentially your third running back and your second quarterback, laying some big licks on the opponent's first-string defense, that was something to see. How awesome was that hit? On That was awesome. That was awesome. You're referring to Chase Mason. Yeah, Chase's the, the hit was awesome. Quarterbacks are not supposed to give hits. They're supposed to receive them, but that was the opposite on Saturday. When you're the biggest guy on the team, you can give them too, so <laughs> it doesn't matter what position. That was awesome. What's Chase like? Um, He's a very competitive perfectionist um, that cares a lot about his teammates and is well-deserving for every bit that he has the opportunity to play. He's only going to continue to get better. Um, he's got a great leader right in front of him to kind of show him how it's done and how to prepare. And I do believe that he's going to be special because he's got um, he's got a major league arm. There's no question about that. He has a missile on him. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we're excited to see how he progresses and um, where, where we can keep putting him in the games. How about the two Yankees? Jackson, three catches, 93 yards. Jaden, three for 55. Then he has the reverse that he's able to take in for a touchdown as well. Big day for the two boys from Madison. Yeah, they did an awesome job and um, well-deserving of everything that they get thrown at them, and they made the most of every bit of it. And I know I know this game was very personal for them, and uh, they were very excited for this game, and I was just happy that they had the opportunity to make those plays. We mentioned it was a sellout crowd, uh, over 9,100. And when you look at how many Jackrabbit fans were there and the amount of noise they made, one play stood out with about 10 minutes left in the game. Mark Gronowski runs for a first down. A coyote tackler brings him down, then stands up and shushes the crowd. 
And usually when you're at home in a rivalry game, you don't shush your own crowd, which speaks to how many Jackrabbits were there <laughs> and how rowdy they were. I mean, in the second half, USD had some trouble snapping the ball because of how loud SDSU was with its crowd. Yeah, I thought it was great. When I looked up there, I, they were kind of there was blue speckled everywhere in the stadium, and then we had our section that was kind of behind our bench. But they were great, and uh, man, I can't tell you how – excited I was to just see the amount of blue in there because as we were as the stadium started to fill in we were told that they were expecting 60 40 and I don't you know I don't know if it was 60 percent red in there but uh yeah it was great the fans were awesome and uh the chance that all of it uh just gave our guys a lot of energy and we'll need you this weekend to continue to fill the stadium and make noise especially when North Dakota State's on offense South Dakota State wins its 22nd in a row. The 8-0 Jackrabbits down 6-2 USD in front of an announced crowd of 9,458, 37-3. That closes the book on Vermilion in the month of October. We'll talk November and the matchup with North Dakota State when the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show continues. We are live from Cubby's Sports Bar and Grill, and this is the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Welcome back to Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. One more time here on the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show. Alongside the head coach, I'm Tyler Merriam. Quick reminder, we'll have exhibition basketball on our airwaves on Wednesday. Coverage starts at 5.30 for the women and then the men in that doubleheader. And then basketball a week from tonight, the regular season openers. So next Thursday will be the next Jimmy Rogers radio show. You got to next Thursday open, don't you, Coach? I do. Okay. I well, will be here. Thank goodness. I should have checked earlier. Okay. So we can breathe easily. Jimmy will be here in 10 days. and uh, uh, But we'll have a, have a full show next Thursday, and we'll be on Thursday again throughout the month of November to accommodate everything happening involving Jack Athletics, so we look forward to that. Jimmy, let's talk a little about North Dakota State, the Bison, who uh, are ranked in the top 15 in the nation. And, you know, they, they've dropped two games this year, and, and I've had people say, boy, the, the they're just they're not good anymore. Uh, I've watched a few other games. I know you have too. They may have lost twice, but this is a top 15 program and uh, this darn good football team coming into Brookings on Saturday. Yeah, they're really, really good. And uh, I know that they have two losses, but – you see how they lost. It's a uh, not typical way of their they lose. They're just they're very well versed. They have a ton of really really talented players, and uh, and I know this uh, th this program has made me a better coach. And there is a mutual respect there. Just uh, how competitive a lot of our games have been, and uh, we're going to need to bring our best. We know it's going to be physical, and uh, we kind of know exactly where they stand, and they need this game and. And we want this game, and uh, we're going to need to bring our best and prepare the same way that we prepared this last week. Talking about these teams, these two offenses are built on the fact they can wear you down. And to hammer that point home, the Jackrabbit offense leads the nation in third down conversion percentage. SDSU is right about 60%. The Bison are second in the nation in third down conversions. They're well over 50% as well. Sixth best 
uh, offense as far as yards per game at 462. They've only turned it over four times this year. That's the fewest in all of the FCS. And a lot of that is because of Cam Miller, the veteran quarterback. 76% completions. That's the best in the FCS. He had a string of 23 consecutive throws. He completed every one of them earlier this year. And oh, by the way, he's had the most rushing attempts of anybody on this Bison team. He's rushed for 388 yards. So he's the leading rusher. He's the leading passer. He is the heart and soul of that Bison offense. Yeah, he's done a really good job this season, and they, they do a really good job schematically of um, giving him outlet throws, and then um, then he can kill you over the top. I think that's maybe the biggest part of his game. He's always been able to run. He's always had some wiggle. He's always been able to make people miss. Um, but I do think he's turned into a – a really, really talented quarterback with his arm and then just how fast he can get through progressions mentally. Um, yeah, a ton of respect for him. We recruited him. We know his family. And he happens to be uh, he's from Solon, Iowa, right? So he's one of Adam Bach's uh, high school teammates and, and good friends that they grew up playing baseball together. And so we very familiar with Cam and uh, just a good player. And he puts their guys in into uh, places where they have a ton of success with and Zach Mathis, the long-armed wideout, 33 catches in eight games for over 15 yards per catch. Yeah, he's a tall, tall wide receiver. Um, go back to that national championship game where they kind of bootleg out and he throws a ball up, and we thought we were going to pick it because we were double covering him, and he came down with it. So we got to be very well aware of he, where he's at. He's their top guy, and try to get him the ball in space, but they, they'll take their shots over the top, and we got to go up and high point that ball with – Probably one of the tallest wide receivers that we're going to face this season. And that Bison running uh, backfield, uh, it doesn't matter who it is because they're all good. They all average over five yards a carry. A couple of them well over six yards per touch. Yeah, I think it really starts for their O-line, but they have a ton of skill um, at running back. Demerick Williams is up for the Walter Payton Award, so it shows kind of what he's already done in the past. And um, he's a guy that we're very familiar with. And um, – yeah, T.K. Marshall is another player that we have that we know. Um, we recruit it, and um, yeah, they're just very well rounded at the skill positions. But I do think it starts up front, and in order to have those rushing yards and to have the the, the consistency on offense, it's you got to be sound and up front, and, and that they are right now. Bison are 11th in the country in scoring defense, 18 points a game. 10th in total defense, giving up 286 yards a crack. We talked about the third down conversions on offense. They're holding teams to just 30% as far as third down conversions are concerned. And they got a host of guys we could highlight on defense, but the most recent, the Valley Defensive Player of the Week, Logan Kopp, had seven tackles last week at interception, a forced fumble, a sack. But this Bison team is just good on every level defensively. Yeah, they really are. And um, we know a lot of these players because we all recruit the same type of kid. And um, all three of their linebackers were all on our campus as well at some point. And so um, really talented group. Uh, they, they return multiple D linemen. Um, and even some of the ones that are now starting that weren't starters last year, they have a ton of playing experience. The Mozart twins are in their sixth year. Um, and they've been – really consistent throughout their time here on the back end is maybe where the most change has happened. Uh, but like Jaden Price has played a ton of football and, and, and Cole Wisniewski moved from linebacker to safety. Um, but I mean, he played a ton of football at the linebacker position. And if you're intelligent, which I know he is cause we recruited him. Um, 
I think that transition from linebacker to safety is uh, is a natural transition. That and the opposite way, coming top down to play linebacker, just because you hear so much of the same stuff and you're taught conceptually to understanding what is going on around you. Real quick, we had a few seconds here. Big game on Saturday, and the crowd will be a factor. Crowd needs to be a factor. Yeah, the crowd needs to be a factor, not just when our defense is on the field, but also when they're punting the ball. Uh, you have no idea how important that is to make chaos so that they can't hear this, the cadence and the snap count. Jimmy, thanks for the time. Good luck on Saturday. Appreciate it. Thank you. He is head coach Jimmy Rogers. For Brian Williams, Kellen Solick, I'm Tyler Merriam. We'll see you next time from Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. It'll be next Thursday here on the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield.